0: Our Father in heaven, we are thankful this morning for your astonishing commitment toward us. Lord, you are faithful when we are faithless. We thank you that you have chosen in your eternal counsel, Lord, to stick with, stick to the likes of us, failed sinners. Lord, we thank you for your commitment to redeem Adam's race of which all of us are a part. And Father God, as we turn to your word this morning and look at this next section of this beautiful story of Ruth, I pray that this truth, this truth of your covenant commitment toward us would shine through, that we would see Uh, Lord God, how great your commitment to us is, and then that we would be the kind of people who would exhibit covenant faithfulness, stick-to-itiveness in our own relationships on the human-to-human plane. I pray, Lord, help us now as we open your word once again in the mighty and powerful and saving name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, last Sunday, in our recounting of the story of Ruth, we ended at a crossroads. We ended at a moment of decision. Ruth and Naomi, there on the road heading back to Judah. Orpah, already having decided to turn back toward Moab, she's heading back in the direction of Moab. The question was, which way will Ruth turn? Will Ruth heed Naomi's voice and do the sensible thing, which is to return with Orpah back to Moab, or will Ruth do the Abrahamic thing and proceed with Naomi into the promised land? Which way will Ruth turn? Well, this morning... We come to verses 16 and 17 of chapter 1, Ruth chapter 1, where we have Ruth's momentous decision. Now, technically, Ruth, for her part, she has already spoken in the story in verse 10. Both her and Orpah had together expressed their disagreement with Naomi's advice Naomi's advice to to turn back to Moab. But now, in verse 16, we have the very first instance in the book of Ruth where Ruth speaks solo. And the first thing out of Ruth's mouth here is something that is rather assertive. In effect, Ruth says to Naomi, "'Stop confronting me with words.'" Stop confronting me with words. The Hebrew here, behind the English, it suggests that sort of tone. Stop confronting me with words or stop pressuring me. In the English Standard Version, they've translated the Hebrew here as do not urge me. I think Ruth's tone here would probably get Naomi's attention a little bit. Ruth says, do not urge me to leave you or to shuv, to return from following you. So now we have, if you were tracking with us last week, here we have our ninth instance since verse 6 of the word shuv, return. And then what comes next in the text are four sentences, in the English at least, four sentences which are very famous, very well-known sentences, and they are deservedly well-known and famous. Ruth says to Naomi very famously, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May Yahweh do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Ruth the Moabite has made up her mind. She will not be traveling back to Moab with Orpah. Ruth will be staying with Naomi. Ruth will be heading into Judah. Ruth's ancestor Lot had decided, in ages past, Lot had decided to turn away from the promised land in search of a greater blessing. Now Lot's descendant, Ruth, reverses that decision. She heads toward the promised land. Ruth is reversing Lot's decision. Ruth's decision and Ruth's speech here, of course, are remarkable. I want to take time to talk about Three basic things that Ruth shows us here in this speech that she makes. Three things that I think are worthy of our careful consideration and meditation. First of all, Ruth shows love in her speech. Or we might put it like this, that God, through this speech that Ruth makes, God shows us something here about the nature of, Of love. It is crystal clear that Ruth loves Naomi. Ruth loves her mother in law. Again, the sensible thing, the sensible thing for Ruth to have done here in this situation, in this ancient society where your basic survival as a woman really depended on men, the sensible thing for Ruth to have done here was to choose Moab. Because in Moab, Ruth could find a Moabite husband and there was still time in terms of Ruth's biological clock, there was still time to have sons and daughters with that Moabite husband. But we need to see how stunning this is. It is stunning that Ruth chooses instead here to stay clinging to an older woman. Ruth makes the surprising choice, especially surprising in this ancient society, she makes the surprising choice not to go looking for a man, but to remain with her widowed mother-in-law. It is a stunning thing. And it becomes clear, does it not, that Ruth has a great, deep love for Naomi. Ruth, we need to see here, Ruth is paying a price to stay with Naomi. Ruth is being self-sacrificial here. And that is a mark of real love. Love costs something. Love is self-sacrificial. As Colin Smith has put it, I think very succinctly, quote, love proves itself when it chooses to pay a price. Again, Colin Smith says, love proves itself when it chooses to pay a price. Close quote. Now, we don't know the details concerning the relationship between these two women while they had lived in Moab. We don't have details on what their relationship actually looked like on a day-to-day sort of a basis. But what we can gather here, as we hear Ruth making this pledge... We can gather that Naomi must have done some good work in plowing the ground in the relationship with her daughter-in-law. Naomi must have done some good work that way. She must have worked to make this a healthy relationship with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, showing love and constancy toward Ruth. And now we might say that Naomi's plowing in the relationship, that plowing in the relationship that she had done, had brought about a harvest right here on the road. The harvest that Naomi was experiencing was Ruth declaring now her tremendous commitment of love toward Naomi. Naomi's spade work in the relationship had produced this harvest of Ruth's commitment toward her. Well, the question springs from the text. As we read this and meditate on us, the text interprets us. It asks us the question, well, how about us? How about you? How about me? How are we working on our relationships? Are we working at our relationships? Are we doing spade work? Are we plowing and planting good seeds in our every relationship? In the speech of Ruth, God is showing us something about the workings and nature of love. Love is self sacrificial, love is willing to pay a price, love involves working at relationships. That's the first thing. But now the second thing we want to talk about, uh, very much related to the first thing, the second thing that we find on display here in Ruth's speech is a firm determination in her. A firm determination. It's very clear here that Ruth means business in this decision that she has made to stay with Naomi. This is not a decision that has been entered upon lightly. It's not a decision that Ruth takes lightly. It is a confident, firm decision. It is a non-retractable decision that Ruth is making here. It is effectively written in stone, this decision of Ruth. And we see this especially in verse 17, where first of all, Ruth pledges here that she will die and be buried where Naomi dies and is buried. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Essentially, Ruth here, in saying this, she is essentially shutting the door on going back to Moab. Secondly, in this verse, notice that Ruth invokes, very important, she invokes the name of Israel's God. She invokes the name Yahweh. As she calls down a curse on herself, should she renege on her commitment to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Yahweh is present here as a witness to what Ruth is pledging. She says, Ruth says, may Yahweh, she's invoking his name, may he do to me and do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. In other words, should I break my pledge to stay at your side, Naomi? May Yahweh, God of Israel, curse me with death As Paul House puts it, quote, Ruth's seriousness here is marked by her swearing by Yahweh's name. He says, Ruth considers that her oath here is binding, permanent, and dangerous to break. Binding, permanent, and dangerous to break so notice here, we have this very palpable, firm determination in Ruth. And then the third thing that's really on display, I think, in this speech of Ruth is this. Amazing faith is on display. Amazing faith. Think about this with me. Of course, Abraham can be commended, can't he, for leaving his land for an unknown land when God told him to do so? But as some have pointed out here with Ruth, there is a sense in which the step of faith that she takes here is even greater than the step of faith that Abraham took. Ruth is leaving her homeland and all that is familiar in her life in order to go to a new land. And she is doing it, listen, she's doing it without a direct word from the Lord. Abraham had had a word from the Lord directing him to make his move. And Abraham also had God promising blessing in that move. As far as the narrative is concerned, Ruth doesn't have either a word from God or the promise of God's blessing. And yet she's setting her face resolutely toward the promised land. So you can make the argument that Ruth's decision to go with Naomi, her step into the unknown here, is even more amazing than Abraham's was. At least Abraham had direction from God and promise from God as he ventured out. And I want us to key in on the last sentence of verse 16 for a moment. Ruth says to Naomi, your people shall be my people and your God my God. Now there are a few things that I think are very remarkable about this statement that are worth our attention. First of all, there is the basic fact here, of course, that Ruth is renouncing her ties, renouncing her ties to Moab. She is switching people. She is switching gods, She is now leaving the life of Moab and entering the life of Israel with the people of Israel. And she is declaring her break with Chemosh, God of Moab. And she's declaring a new fealty or a new allegiance to Israel's God, Yahweh. So this is a major moment in the story. It's also pretty significant that Ruth can say to Naomi, your God, Naomi, your God will now be my God. It's remarkable that she can say that because only three verses ago, in verse 13, Naomi had presented a rather troubling picture of her God, and she had done that with an earshot of Ruth. In verse 13, Naomi had mentioned out loud that her life was now bitter. She had said that her God's hand had gone out against her. And yet despite that, Ruth can confidently say here in verse 16, Naomi, your God will now be my God. Isn't that amazing? But I think if we leave aside for a moment, leave aside Naomi's rather uh, dark picture of God in verse 13, if we leave that aside, I think Ruth had had plenty of time, in fact more than 10 years of time, uh, to observe Naomi's faith in Yahweh, to observe that faith in action while the family had been living in Moab together. Naomi's witness over those years, must have been influential enough that it helped to bring Ruth to this moment when she declares, in faith she declares to Naomi, your God will be my God. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. The last thing to say here about this statement is that Ruth when she says this, she sounds an awful lot like Yahweh. She's declaring faith in Yahweh here, and she even sounds like Yahweh as she does it. Leviticus 26, verse 12, Yahweh had said this to Israel, I will walk among you and will be your God And you shall be my people. Now Ruth is saying, the God who pledged to be your God, Naomi, that God who called you Israelites to be his people, it's that God and that God's people that I now receive as my own. Naomi, your people shall be my people and your God my God. Amazing faith. That's the third thing. So let's recap here. Ruth's great speech in verses 16 and 17 shows great love for Naomi, and her speech shows firm determination in her commitment and loyalty toward Naomi, and her speech also shows amazing faith. Ruth is turning away from Moab. She is cutting ties with Moabites and with her Moabite God uh, in order to cling to Yahweh in a new land that is unknown to her. In the words of Chris Wright, he says, Ruth's outburst, I love that, Ruth's outburst of loyalty Commitment and conversion to the God of Israel is one of the most remarkable speeches in the Bible. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Our last verse this morning is verse 18, which gives us now the after effects of Ruth's great speech. Now, here we switch to the perspective of Naomi. The verse reads, And when Naomi saw that... Ruth was determined to go with her, she said no more. Or, it could viably be translated here, Naomi stopped talking to Ruth. <laughs> she stopped talking to Ruth. The idea seems to be, after Naomi listens to this powerful, riveting speech that Ruth makes, Naomi stops trying to persuade Ruth to go back to Moab. What was the use? Now Naomi conceded. She accepted the fact that Ruth was coming with her to Judah. There was no convincing Ruth otherwise now. And friends, if we could, we would crawl inside the story and we would whisper in the ear of Naomi, maybe say a prayer of thanks to God here that your valiant efforts to persuade Ruth have failed. Thank God for that, Naomi. Because we know, don't we, if we've read this story, that Ruth is going to be the vehicle of God's blessing in Naomi's life. It's a good thing that Naomi's efforts have failed here. It's a good thing. You know, sometimes in God's all-wise, providential care over our lives, it's a good thing when our efforts fail also. Sometimes it's good. Our failure might be the best thing for us, orchestrated by an all-wise, all-knowing, kind God. Naomi was convinced that she was going back to Judah simply for a harvest of grain and bread. Little did Naomi know that the person standing there now beside her on the road, this person who was being so stubborn... This is the very person who is going to bring a yet greater harvest into Naomi's life. God is doing this. God is causing Naomi's efforts to fail, and God is causing Ruth to be stubborn here. And he's doing it so that he can bring great blessing into Naomi's and Ruth's lives. Behold the ways of your God. His ways are often mysterious to us in the moment. We think we have everything figured out, and God does something very mysterious in the moment, but always we know it is for the ultimate good of his children who he loves so dearly. This morning we've considered three things that we see in Ruth's great speech. We see Ruth's glowing love for Naomi. We see a firm determination in Ruth as she makes her commitment. And then third, we see an amazing faith in Ruth. In all of this, friends, in all of it, Ruth is a shadow of her descendant named Jesus. Jesus, who comes centuries after Ruth, what we want to do now is spend our remaining moments glorying in Jesus Christ. Let's worship together as we consider the love, determination, and faith in the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ruth had returned to, or Ruth, sorry, Ruth had turned from (laughs) Moab in order to go with Naomi to Judah. Ruth turned from Moab in order to go to Judah with Naomi. Jesus turned from heaven in order to be born in human flesh on this earth to serve us. Ruth clung to Naomi there on the road to Judah. That's the word that's used. She clung to Naomi. Jesus clings to us like invincible superglue. Each of us is a cantankerous Naomi. The speech that Jesus makes to us is I will never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13 verse 5. Even if we should be persecuted, the scripture says, he will not forsake us. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 9. Indeed, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans eight thirty nine. How many things can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Nothing can separate us from, from that. Jesus, you see, is blood earnest. He is blood earnest in his commitment toward us, his children. He has committed to stick to us like invincible Super glue. Ruth's great love for Naomi is only a shadow of Christ's love for us. Ruth had called a curse down upon herself should she renege in her commitment to Naomi. She invoked death on herself should she renege. Well, guess what? Jesus became a curse for us, became a curse for us. Galatians 3.13, and Jesus did die. He died in our place. So great was his firm commitment to bring us back into right relationship with God. one of the many New Testament verses where we see his love for us on full display is Romans 5.8. Listen to this. God shows, displays, he shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were cantankerous, bitter Naomi's and worse, Christ Died for us, amazing love. How can it be that Thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stock on earth a quill? and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. We see the resolute, firm, commitment of Jesus toward the likes of us as Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem. In Luke 9 verse 51, knowing fully what will happen to him in Jerusalem, it is there that Jesus will die a cruel and excruciating death for us. To set us free. To forgive us. To bear the penalty of sin in our place. It's this substitutionary sacrifice. This is the thing that he resolutely sets his face toward Jerusalem for. It takes our breath away as we consider the love, and the blood-earnest commitment of Jesus toward us. And Jesus does it all in willing obedience to his Father. He does it all in faithfulness toward the Father. He does it all with perfect faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Oh, the love of Jesus, friends. I hope that you are worshiping and basking in it and knowing it this morning. Now, here's the thing. You and I, and then I'm done. You and I, as his followers, are called to die with him. We are called to die with him. We are called to do, as Ruth did, and turn away from our Moab. Turn away from our Moab. If he should ask us to do so, We must leave house, brothers, sisters. We read the New Testament passage earlier. House, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, and lands. We must leave those things for his sake and for the gospel, should he call us to do that, Mark 10, 29. He beckons us as his followers to do what? To take up our cross. Why? Well, because we follow the one who died on a cross. This is a major part of what it means to follow the suffering servant. Our love for him, our love for him, must pay a price if it is real. Our love for him who first loved us must pay a price. On that road toward Judah, Ruth said to Naomi, Your God will now be my God. What was Ruth doing there? She was turning away from her Moabite idols and turning toward the true God. You and I are called by our Lord to turn from our idols, as Paul puts it in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 9. Uh, Those in the Thessalonian church had turned, they had turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, as Paul says there. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are commanded to do the same we are commanded to actively forsake those things in our lives that are acting as cheap stand-ins for the living God. To turn from our Moabs, Moab is where all the death is, to turn from our Moabs and come to abundant life in Jesus Christ. And so, my friend, my final question to you is, How will you apply the Word of God that we've meditated on this morning? How will you, don't look at anybody else, how will you apply this Word this very hour, this week? Will you simply leave it here on YouTube and go have lunch and forget about it? Or... Will you humble yourself under God and be a doer of what God has spoken to you today through his word? I'm praying for your sanctification. Please pray for mine. I'm praying for your holiness. Please pray for mine as well. I'm praying that each of us will so delight in Jesus Christ that this week we will be more eager than ever to go and obey him. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you once again, Lord, for your steadfast, unwavering commitment toward us. We thank you for your grace toward us. Lord, we know we don't deserve. We don't deserve anything that you have so graciously lavished and bestowed upon us. In fact, we deserve the very opposite of what you have given us in your mercy. Oh Lord, we praise you, we thank you. May we go forward into this week having been under the sound of the gospel and under the sound of this word. Lord, transform us, create in us a heart that would just be so eager on tenterhooks to obey you, to spread kindness and love to others, no matter who they are, to love our enemies. Lord God, help us by your spirit this week, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, hello again. Here we are in our fourth episode now, which connects to the current sermon series on the book of Ruth. And today we are providing um, expanded meditation, expanded thoughts on Ruth chapter 1 verses 16 through 18. Now what we have in this passage is Ruth forsaking her Moabite ties, even forsaking her Moabite gods in order to continue traveling with Naomi into Judah. That theme of forsaking or abandoning is actually quite a significant theme uh, that gets used throughout the scriptures And it's used primarily in two senses so the first sense has to do with people forsaking a certain action or forsaking a certain thing so the first sense the first sense has to do with people forsaking something the second sense has to do with the possibility that people themselves might be forsaken Uh, Forsaken by another individual, perhaps, or forsaken by God himself. Now, concerning that first sense of forsaking, abandoning, Ruth forsakes Moab, she forsakes her Moabite gods, in order to go with Naomi into Judah and be a worshiper of Yahweh. In Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 8, the people of Israel there are indicted for not casting away the detestable things from their that they're feasting their eyes on. Not casting away the detestable things that their eyes are feasting on. And they are also indicted for not um, forsaking, not abandoning the idols of Egypt. Again, Ruth is a person, is a foreigner who... Does cast away the detestable things and turn her eyes away from turn her affections away from idols and toward Yahweh the God of Israel. In Isaiah 55 verse 7 God calls wicked people and by the way uh, that's all of us who have a fallen nature he calls wicked people to forsake their way Unrighteous people should forsake their thoughts. And they must shuv, is the word that is used there, shuv. They must return to the Lord, that the Lord will have compassion on that person and abundantly pardon him or her. So we can't miss this. In our faith, there is this call on us to forsake Our idols, to turn away from our wicked and rebellious ways. And of course, again, Ruth is an example in Scripture of a person who does that, who turns away from Moab and turns away from Moabite gods, forsakes Moabite gods. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we know that our salvation, our redemption, involved Jesus hanging on the cross, there bleeding, dying tortured and being forsaken by the father in that process my god my god why have you forsaken me jesus cries as he hangs there on the cross we know that our vile sin that jesus took upon himself as our substitute on the cross that meant that the father had to turn his gaze away from the Son in that moment, as Jesus is dying on the cross, and Jesus does that, he experiences that forsakenness on our behalf. So his extravagant love toward us, his chesed toward us, brought him to that place of being forsaken by the Father, bearing the load of our sin on his back, Doing it all on our behalf, for our freedom, for our salvation. Should that not be a motivator for you and I to forsake and abandon our wicked ways, our sin, to turn away in repentance from our sin and turn toward Christ? I definitely think that it should be a motivator. I want to encourage you to go into whatever is left of this day, go into tomorrow with the blessed assurance that if you are in Christ, God will not abandon you or forsake you. He will never leave you or forsake you. But with a thankful heart, wage war, stay alert, forsake your wicked ways, abandon your rebellion against God. And we'll see you back here next Monday, Lord Willie. Be blessed. <laughs>